0: Good afternoon, America, and welcome to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening, my friends, to America Out Loud Talk Radio, and you're happy about it, lest you would not be listening. We are happy to have you on board. It's Friday. How'd the week go for everybody? I trust it was fantastic. My week was excellent. You know, when you run a school, uh, you're just going to have great weeks because you're surrounded in an atmosphere of education. And I don't know, I just, that's a fantastic atmosphere to be surrounded in. Good quality learning? Oh, does it get any better than good quality education? I don't know that it does. A good classical Christian education, an education where, uh, as I was talking to to Don Mayer yesterday, we were talking about a kingdom education. A kingdom education is where you invite Christ into the classroom. Uh, as teachers, as school leaders, we we take the time to invite Christ into the building. Uh, we we invite him into our classrooms. We we seek direction on uh, how to how to better affect the lives of our students. That's a kingdom education. I, I feel like when you combine that with a, with a classical, rich, robust, quality pedagogy, oh man it doesn't get any better than that. And that's what I have the pleasure of of being involved in. A kingdom education with a classical pedagogy is just rich. Uh, and so I'm, you know, I'm happy about it. We had a great week this week, uh, but we're going to, today's March 1st, we're going to start off into a great month. We've got some great things planned this month. We'll have an honor society induction ceremony in a couple of weeks. We have some some excellent quality students coming into the honor society, and I am looking forward to that. Uh, we've got a book fair coming up this month. I'm just I'm looking forward to that because that means the grandparents are going to be back in the building, and it's it's always fun when uh, when the grandparents are in the building. Uh, you know, because they're interested, they want to see what what their grandchildren are doing. You know, they like to, you know, look around. And and then, of course, we're going to have books for sale. It's a book fair. So, uh, you know, grandparents are going to be buying books, and it's just going to be good fun. Softball season starting up, so the girls are going to be starting softball practice here real soon. Uh, I, I just, you know, springtime is upon us. We are in the throes of early registration. We're looking at already next year, we're in the throes of, of getting next fall lined up. And at Waterbrook, we just have some fun things planned for the future. Uh, as we continue to, now, I don't know, just think through what what a classical education looks like, and you know, plan out new things, new things for the students. You know, just prepare for the growth that is coming. Because my friend's growth is coming. If if you're if you run a private school, if you run a homeschool co-op, growth is coming your way because parents are tired and fed up with what's happening in the traditional public schools, and they're looking for a way out. And we have we have covered this in the various news cycles, uh, and uh, you know I'm. I'm I've got a stack of articles here. I, I usually am. I'm surrounded by a stack of articles. Uh, you know, Tennessee House passes bill that would largely ban LGBTQ flags in public school classrooms. Uh, you know, because parents are, are are fed up with with the propaganda. Uh, there's a an article here out of Michigan where a family has discovered that that the school uh, was secretly calling their daughter a boy's name. And and they discovered you know what was happening. They've got a lawsuit going. Um, did you see what happened in uh, in Virginia with that lieutenant governor, uh, Winsome Winsome Sears? If that's not a great name, by the way, Winsome. I, I mean, that's just that's just classic. Uh, you know, where the guy storms out because well, you know, because she referred to him as a as a him. She called him sir, and he actually thinks he's a woman. Uh, what's this? It says Democrats. This is from, this is uh, uh, Luke Rosiak is writing this article. He's reporting on this. I think Luke is with the Daily Wire. Uh, Luke says Democrats in the Virginia State Senate derailed a hearing on Monday after the state's lieutenant governor absentmindedly responded. Yes, sir. To an inquiry from deep voiced Senator Danica Rome. A man who believes he's a woman. So it it just doesn't get uh, I don't know, it doesn't get any better than this. I mean it does, but in terms of, of political comedy, um uh, all right, so here's the here's the, the 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 breakdown in discussion here, okay. So picture yourself you're in the the Virginia Senate and Um, the lieutenant governor, of course, presides over the Senate. So, uh, Winsome Sears is, you know, she's sitting at the big desk. And uh, Senator Danica Rome, a man who believes he's a woman, he's got a deep voice, he says, Madam President, how many votes would it take to pass this bill with the emergency clause? Uh, And uh, Winsome replies, that would be four-fifths. And Rom replies, and what would be the exact number for that, Madam President? And then she's she's got her head down. You know, she's looking through papers. I don't even know that she's looking at him at, at any point in time. But he's got a deep voice. And 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 she's not looking at him. And she says, yes, sir, that would be 32. Those in favor of that motion shall record their vote aye, she said, calling the vote. And then Rome storms out. He storms out. He misses the vote. And then a shout could be heard as he was leaving, though it wasn't really clear who was shouting. But he storms out. How dare she? How dare she refer to me as a yes, sir? Doesn't she know I'm a woman? When in fact, he's not a woman. He's a man. Uh, You know, but he's grown up in this system. He was told, hey, you can pretend and everybody else around you you know we have to call you a woman and if we don't then you have every right to get mad and throw a hissy fit and and that's what's happening a hissy fit uh, you know so at, as a culture this is what we're experiencing this is this is what we're dealing with so uh, you, you can expect this this public school departure to continue so schools like mine homeschool co-ops, uh, we can expect, you know, parents to just say enough is enough. We've got to have a real rich education, a real robust education for our kids, or we're doomed. We're doomed, I tell you. Doomed as a country, doomed as a nation. So I'm looking at this article out of Broward County, uh, and it says, in light of steadily declining enrollment in the Broward County public school system, district officials are preparing for the probability of closing some of its facilities now Broward County is a is a huge district. We've, we've spent some time talking about Broward County. I pulled up the map you know a couple of weeks ago of all the various schools that are closing and uh, or I shouldn't say closing but the various schools that are reporting huge losses of enrollment 20 percent or greater uh, and there's several several that are reporting 20% loss or greater. Uh, In an initiative called Redefining Our Schools, Broward County public school officials are developing possible strategies to address the district's chronic, chronic, I tell you, chronic decline in enrollment at their traditional public schools. And this just hasn't in Broward, by the way. There's a chronic decline happening everywhere. Over the years, some schools have experienced significant enrollment changes. Uh, this is on the district's website. As families have moved to different areas or selected other school options, the district is exploring ways to, re- to reduce the number of underenrolled schools to ensure equitable funding and instructional resources across the district. So what does that mean? If they're looking for ways to reduce the number of underenrolled schools, it means they're going to start shuttering the doors of some of these buildings. They're going to close them up and they're going to, you know, move kids to other school buildings that are only, you know, half full or three quarters of the way full. I mean, some of these, these schools, you know, have lost enrollments of close to 50%. That means you've got a, a building that's half full. You know, so if you've got a building that's half full, close it and move those kids to another building that's half full. Um, They had a February 2nd town hall meeting. And it was at this meeting that the Broward County Superintendent, Peter Licata, uh, you know, makes a statement to the parents. uh, And he he talks about the enrollment loss over the last 20 years. And they're looking at like a 50,000 seat loss. I think in, let's see, what do these numbers say? in At the end of the 05 school year, 0405, their enrollment in this particular school district was 259,000, 259,000 kids. Here where we are currently in the 23-24 school year, the enrollment in this district is 201,000 so they're they're looking at a loss of almost 60,000 kids over a period of 20 years that is i mean you know what what's that do the math that's $30,000 or 30,000 students a decade that's that's huge uh district officials have yet to release a, preli- a preliminary list of schools that would that would be closed how with an enrollment loss of approximately twenty four thousand students, I don't. They don't give us dates here. That number doesn't match with what they gave us in the previous paragraph. Uh, maybe that's this year. They don't really say. With an enrollment loss of approximately twenty four thousand students, Broward is seeing an annual loss of two hundred and seventy million dollars to the district. That and, and there it is, kids. That's that's the deal. When when, when you're looking at losing $207 million, uh, got to make some changes. Oh, and they don't like that because the money talks. You follow the money, and it's going to talk all the way. And they don't like losing the money. But you know what? Uh, Parents are pulling their kids. They're they're just tired of it. Across the district, it's estimated that there are 50,000 empty seats. At 68 of the district's 332 schools, Uh, 46 of them are elementary schools. And that's where we're seeing, you know, a lot of the, a lot of, uh, a lot of the um, enrollment loss, it's at elementary schools. And, uh, you know, parents are are saying, look, uh, if they're going to start propagandizing, indoctrinating our children at kindergarten, then the answer is no. No, we've got to go somewhere else. And we've got to do something. Uh, uh, At this meeting, at this town hall meeting, uh, Lakata said this process probably should have started about 10 years ago. The process that they're talking about is we've got to decide which buildings we're going to shutter, you know, because we're losing enrollment. And he's saying we really should have been doing this a decade ago. Uh, We have uh, some time to catch up, but we got to do it quickly. You know, because... Um, this has been a slow burn, you know, over the years, everybody is waking up and I i say everybody, I mean, all right, I take it back. Not everybody's waking up. I get it. I mean, some of them out there are still sleeping. I mean, we can hear them snoring now, even as I speak. So there are, there are definitely some, some sleepers out there, but more and more and more people are waking up and it's been happening Uh, You know, he admits it's been going on for for 10 years. But once we hit COVID, and once the the classroom came home, and once parents started seeing what was happening, and then now here we are post-COVID, and we start getting these reports of, you know, school districts keeping it secret from parents about things going on within the school district, uh, that's a problem. And and, and that more and more and more and more and more of that is coming to light. And in addition to that coming to light, we're seeing what's happening in the medical community. And we're seeing what our our state legislatures are are doing in the various state House and Senates and, and these laws that they're passing. And parents are like, no, we're not playing this game. We're not playing this game with our kids. Our kids are the most important thing. And, and let's find a school that's going to provide a robust education. Uh, a, a, a school like mine, a classical Christian school that provides a kingdom education, invites Christ in, into the classroom, and, and does so with a robust quality classical pedagogy. I mean, it's just, it's fantastic. And that's what I, uh, you know, I love being a part of it. Uh, all right, so let's look at the the statistics because I, I love the numbers. You know, I, I it can it's easy to get lost in the numbers, get lost in these weeds, but it's kind of fun at the same time. So here we go. According to stats presented in the 2024-2025 budget workshop, Broward County. This was January 30th. Attendance at Broward's traditional public schools fell from 221,000 students 2014-2015 to 197,000 students at the 23-24 school year. That's a decline of more than 20,000 students. So in a period of, uh, you know, I guess this would be a decade, 10 years, they've lost 20,000 students. In the meantime enrollment in charter schools has grown, rising from 41,000 to 50,000 during that same decade. The largest increase in the number of Broward students taking advantage of Florida's Family Empowerment Scholarship, which is used to pay for private schools or homeschool programs, is increasing to 26,000 students or 26,000 families uh, in 23-24 school year. That was only 3,000 families were taking advantage of that in the 2014-2015 school year. More than eight times what it was 10 years ago. All right. Um, I mean, that's huge. That is massive. Uh, Families are pulling out now. They've got this Florida Family Empowerment Scholarship deal uh, that will uh, help to pay for private schools in Florida. They have this and you know parents are taking advantage of it and and they're they're getting their kids into an education that's going to uh you know it's going to completely better them uh here's some homeschooling data out of Florida uh data compiled by brighterly shows that Florida ranks second in the nation for the number of homeschool students in 2023 data provided by the Florida Department of Ed showed 10,412 of Broward's students were being homeschooled. That's about 6.8%. That was during the 21-22 school year. For the 22-23 school year, that number, it looks like, I mean, it's it's pretty consistent. It goes to, all right, no, it's going to dip down a little bit. So it was 10,000. Now it's 6,000. However, with the with the decline in enrollment, fewer students in Broward County's system the percentage of homeschool students dipped only slightly to 6%. So nonetheless the bottom line is that while homeschool probably dipped a little bit charter schools and um private schools are going through the roof and that's because Florida has this scholarship program that'll help pay for it. Uh you know I've got mixed feelings on, on the scholarship programs, I'm a little nervous about them, um, but nonetheless, friends, it is time. It is time to be looking for other alternatives uh, as we see what continues to happen in the public school system. I, you know, again, I'm looking at this article here and what's happening here in Michigan in my backyard. Parents catch school secretly calling daughter a boy's name. And male pronouns, and now they are suing. Uh, we're waking up out there. I hope to dive into this article in the next segment uh, because uh, we we have to keep our eyes open. All right, we have to understand what's happening in in many public schools throughout the country, and then we have to be looking for for, for the alternative. I'm telling you, you have to be looking for the alternative a school that's going to provide a kingdom education with a beautiful classical pedagogy. That's your, uh, I mean, if it's me, that's what I'm looking for, but you know, I'm not you. All right, we'll pick this up on the other side of the break. You're listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. The buildup of spike proteins is dangerous to your health. Global Healing's foreign protein cleanse detoxes your body, removing the spike proteins, allowing your body to repair from within. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, foreign protein cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. ASEA believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel our very best. Our Redox-based products tap into reserves within you to power your personal well-being. Make our breakthrough products an essential step in fulfilling your greatest potential. ASEA, we power potential. For exclusive savings, Use code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your first order today. Welcome back to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. You can find us here Monday through Friday, the 2 p.m. Eastern time slot. And no matter how you are listening, we are grateful that you are. Whether it be on the app, which is my favorite way to listen, can download the app for your iPhone, your Android, your Alexa. Uh, or you know, you might be listening in your kitchen on the world-class media player at americaoutloud.news, or maybe iHeartRadio, or maybe in podcast. I don't know. I don't know how you're listening. I'm just uh, I'm happy that you are. This is a good audience. It really is. I hear from you from time to time. Uh, and uh, you're just engaged. We are. We're engaged. We, um, you, you know, as I said uh, earlier, th- there is some waking up happening across the country, uh, and and public school leaders, district leaders, are are needing to reformulate their plans on on which buildings are going to close because they're losing so many kids. And, you know, look, I'm not here to celebrate the closure of public schools. That, that's not my point. I, I know it might seem like that's my point and I'm not going to celebrate that. What I'm celebrating is that uh, it, parents are getting their kids it, a real true actual education. That's what is to be celebrated. Look, I get it. the um you know, public school teachers or, you know they don't want to hear about their buildings being closed. And there's some really good public school teachers out there. But you know what? There's some public school teachers that are horrible, that aren't good. And I'm sorry, their buildings need to be closed. And they need to be, you know, they need to be doing something else other than educating our children. Uh, I'm I'm looking at this article here, and this is from Michigan. This is East Rockford, East Rockford Middle School District. Uh, this um, the uh, this article says Michigan parents Dan and Jennifer Mead say their 11 year old their then 11 year old daughter's first semester at Rockford Middle in 2020 was bumpy. Uh, she fell behind in class, uh, and she started seeing a school counselor regularly for her slumping grades and her severe anxiety. Uh, but at least she was in good hands. The Meads thought. I mean, they 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 trusted this counselor, and and they're like, "Are you? She, she's safe. She is in good hands. You're in good hands with Allstate, my friends. This school district is not Allstate. Uh, what they, unfortunately, what they have discovered, uh, and they did this this discovery was accidental. By the way, it was inadvertent but they discovered that the school was socially transitioning their daughter by treating her like a boy and referring to her uh, by masculine names and and masculine pronouns. And so this last December, uh, the couple filed a federal lawsuit against East Rockford Public School District for violating their parental rights. Court documents point to school staff who claim to have been, and apparently were, just following the district's policy when they began calling the child by her preferred name and and preferred pronouns behind the parents' back. Uh, You know, so the teachers are saying, hey, we didn't do this on our own. This is district policy. So we're not just talking about rogue teachers. And there are, you know, definitely rogue teachers, but this is a rogue district. When you have a district policy and this is it, and you have, you know, leaders in the district, superintendents, you know you know, board members, this is they're they're okay with this. Uh, buildings need to be closed. Allegations also point to efforts made by staff members to alter official handouts for the meads, um, hiding the social transitioning treatment. Uh, yet, 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 mind you, the staff claims, it wasn't to hide anything from parents i mean that's not the point we're trying to hide anything how can all right you you have you have a document uh, that is available internally and then when you make that same document available externally to the parents but yet you you change names and you you know you change pronoun usage but you're not trying to hide anything i that just that doesn't add up to me it does not add up somebody's lying To hear the family's side of the story, though, the family feels like they were betrayed. Significant trust had been built after their daughter's initial meeting with the school counselor. She opened up about her concerns for sick family members and frustrations with teachers. All right. And this is, you know, a lot of it, this is where it starts. You know, kids struggle at school. uh, And a lot of times there's things going on at home. And you know, not necessarily destructive things, but uh, but but things that that bring loss into the life of the child. You, you know, when the child has a sick family member at home, the child is going to experience some form of loss there. And 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 things like this that that take place in the child's life, uh, they can cause academic dysfunction to happen. And obviously this is what's going on here. You know the daughter has uh, anxiety, her, her test scores her her grades are, are plummeting. She meets with the school counselor and she opens up. She starts talking about, you know, I've got a sick family member who's who who's not who's not well. And this teacher over here is frustrating to me and that that's going to happen from time to time. You know our students are going to you know they're going to come across t- teachers that uh, th- that are frustrating. Um, uh, you know, their, their personalities are, are are going to clash. And, and this, th- this, this child here, this, this little girl, 11 years old, uh, is experiencing this. And she has found trust in a counselor and she's opening up as the discussions delved more into her mental health. The counselor stayed in close contact with the parents often sharing what had been discussed. So now, the counselor is building trust with the little girl, and the counselor is also building trust with mom and dad. And mom and dad are like, this is fantastic. I mean, who knows? They might have been going around singing the praises of of East Rockford Middle School District. Um, You know, I mean, this trust is being built between this counselor, you know, this counselor is helping their little girl, and this is fantastic but the close partnership that had been established between the parents and school over many months mind you many months was dashed by revelations of the school transitioning their child in secret all right so here's the narrative here's how this whole thing plays out um in may of 2022 all right so this this starts in 20 She's in the sixth grade, I think, uh, or or maybe the fifth grade. So this is May 22. So it's toward the end of her seventh grade year. The child's now 13 years old, uh, and she messaged her counselor requesting that teachers call her by a boy's name and assign her masculine pronouns when uh, the, the eighth grade comes in the fall. So in May of 2022 the end of her seventh grade year she sends this message and she says look when we get to fall next year but I'm in the eighth grade I want my teachers to here's the boy's name I want to be called and I want the teachers to refer to me as as he he him I want the masculine pronouns uh, someone's talking to this little girl all right and I don't know and this the article doesn't tell us if it's the counselor. I mean the, the you know the counselor has this great relationship with the girl and the counselor is sharing stuff with the parents and everything is hunky dory somebody's telling the girl that you know you probably should be a boy so she sends this message to the counselor the school counselor still kept up close communication with the parents about discussions she and the daughter were, were having yet somehow just just somehow the counselor failed to inform mom and dad of this, this one crucial request. You know, they, the, the counselor just, you know, she's got this great line of communication, but she just left out that one little bit of information. And I'm not lying to mom and dad. I'm just not telling them everything. Ah, you, you see how, how how subtle this is. And you see how... Manipula- manipulative this can be. You know, mom and dad believe that that their daughter's in, in great hands, when in fact uh, their daughter's not in great hands, when in fact their daughter's not at a great school. So, as the girl began eighth grade in August of 2022, teachers were already calling her by her masculine name. And this went on for several weeks without her parents' knowledge or consent. So she sends this message to the counselor. Well, you know, the counselor obviously lets the, the staff know, hey, you know, little 11-year-old girl over here wants to, here's the boy's name she wants to be called, and refer to her as he, him. All right? Everybody got that? We all go around the same page? Okay. Don't worry, because I'm talking to mom and dad, but I'm not going to tell them that. Okay? I'm going to tell them all the other stuff. You know, I'm going to talk about the progress and the good that we're making. I'm not telling mom and dad that we're socially transitioning their daughter. All right? So we don't have to worry about that. We're all good. I mean, that's what's happening here. This has gone on for several weeks. Several weeks. Mom and dad have no idea. Furthering the deception, court documents uh, state that staff acted in concert to alter official records to deliberately hide this social transitioning treatment from mom and dad in direct violation of their parental rights. All right. So they're going to, they're going to alter documents now. And and here's how this unfolds. This is how, this is how mom and dad discover this. And it is uh, it's insidious. It's deceptive. It um, it's wrong. All right, here we go. The truth finally got out in October of 2022 when Mr. Mead met with a staff member to discuss how the district might accommodate his daughter's autism. Oh, wait! Oh, she's autistic. Oh, okay. So, um, it, it, you know, we've 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 seen and we've heard in, in more and more articles that have come out that the 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 autism population, the autistic population in public schools they're they're heavy into transitioning. Is it because they're easier to convince? I, I I don't know, I don't know, I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. I I'm not sure I don't have the answer for that, but I just I think this is interesting that the little girl is is autistic. All right, back to the article so, A husband and wife discovered district staff were hiding her male name and pronouns from them when a teacher inadvertently gave him a document that included the masculine nomenclature. Oh, okay. Teacher didn't mean to give him that document, did she? At first, Mrs. Mead thought the boy's name was a mistake. Of course she did. I mean, there's this trust here. Oh, I mean, we must have the wrong document. This document says, you know, Johnny. I mean, this isn't our document. Uh, She wondered if it was uh, for some other child. But it soon became clear that it was no mistake. The document had originally used masculine names and pronouns to refer to their daughter, but this was altered back to her legal name, per district policy. And that's the document that was to be given to parents. It's this, it's this age-old, you know, district policy business of keeping it secret. But we're gonna, we're gonna change documents that are going out to mom and dad, so it has actual birth name, actual real pronouns, you know, actual legitimate, grammatically correct pronouns. So it makes it look like we're actually a school, when in fact we're not a school because we're using. Uh, grammatically incorrect pronouns and, and biologically incorrect uh, names and, and references. I mean, we're not a school. You, you know, the other day uh, we were talking about uh, this case in California uh, where the school board at um, Temecula Valley and the school board said we're banning critical race theory. Uh, and the teachers union and with some other Dean, be nice. With some other teachers, individual teachers decided to sue the school board, and, and 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 their complaint. Part of their complaint was that, oh man, if you didn't okay, if you missed it, I just you know you're gonna love this. Part of their complaint was that because the school board was banning critical race theory, that that they were removing the ability for students to have an education. And the, the California Constitution requires everybody would be have access to education and they're not getting access to education because critical race theory isn't being taught. OK, that was the complaint. Now, I paraphrased it. That wasn't I don't have it in front of me. That's the Dean Bone paraphrase. So it goes before this judge in California. And he says, well, you know, uh, in fact, y- your complaint doesn't hold water because there's no pedagogy. Pedagogical value in critical race theory. There's no, there's no actual, what did he say? There's no legitimate learning. Uh, he didn't use the word value, but it, you know, you could throw the word value in there. It's a perfectly usable synonym. He said there's no legitimate pedagogical value or no legitimate educational value in critical race theory. So your argument doesn't stand water. <laughs> he said. He's saying, you know, the reason why is because it's a lie. And a lie is not true education. If you you tell your son or daughter, two plus two is 22, they're not getting an actual education. They're being lied to. And if you tell them as a girl that they can actually be a boy and they can change their gender, you're lying to them. That is not an actual education. All right. So this isn't a real school. But but they have to pass themselves off as a real school by using grammatically correct pronouns and using bio, biologically correct terminology to make parents think that the child's in an actual school, being actually educated, when in fact the child is not in a real school in an actual school being actually educated. All right, so mom and dad discover this, they get this document. Mom says, "Hey, this got a boy's name on it. You know what? You know, well, I don't I don't get it." What's the issue here? Uh, I'm learning this. The Meads asked the school to cease and desist using the masculine name. So it comes out, you know, the teacher kind of fumbles around, I don't know, and then they realize, holy cow, you're calling my daughter by, by a male name and you're using male pronouns? Stop this. We don't want this to happen. They asked the school to cease and desist using the masculine names. Oh, but this is rich. The district refused they, fused. They, they, they refused they 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 refuse they said no nope, we will not stop using male names for your daughter or or male pronouns for your da- daughter because of district policy they said we have no choice we have to it, it's it's our policy it's i'm sorry it's it's our policy to you know the policy is if your daughter wants to be wants to be called a boy then our policy is to call her a boy you know, that's, that's our Our policy is to do whatever the child tells us to do. I mean, we have to do it because it's, it's our policy. Um. Okay, does anyone else see the stupidity in this? Do you see the stupidity in this? Okay, I know you do. I, I know you do because, you know, you're listening. This audience gets it. They see the stupidity. And so when this comes out, uh, when... When the district says to the Mr. and Mrs. Mead, sorry, uh, you know, we can't do that. Then Mr. and Mrs. Mead are like, Okay, and then we're out. We are no longer a part of this school community. If you're not going to abide by our wishes and you're gonna hide behind some some district policy that says it's okay to promote a lie, then we're gone that's it. We're out of here. We'll see you later. So mom and dad withdraw their daughter and they begin to homeschool her. October 2022, they said, okay, that's it. It's homeschool time. Uh, Here's what Mr. Mead told the Epic Times. No school district should be making important decisions on behalf of parents, much less concealing those decisions from them. He said, in our case, the district's policy not only required employees to remain silent about significantly important information regarding our daughter, but they actually encouraged those employees to alter official records, concealing the district's actions from us and furthering the deception. Uh, But what's so disappointing to me is that they refused to stop. That they hid behind this this lame policy that that they, you know, they said, I'm sorry, we can't. No, the the policy says we can't. You see this written document here? Yeah, this written document tells us we can't. So, I mean, we can't. It is what it is. I mean, that policy is like the Constitution to them. They don't care about the Constitution, mind you. I mean, what's written there is, yeah, that's garbage. I mean, we don't need that. But this policy over here that tells us, you know, we can lie to the kids and we can and we can encourage the kids to to lie to themselves and 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 make sure mom and dad don't know about it. That's genius. Oh, boy, I just I'm frustrated. I really am. All right. And I'm a little long in this segment. Let's let's pause here. We will pick this up on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Cholesterol, blood pressure, blood sugar, inflammation, and weight. These are all real-world problems that 87% of Americans are struggling with. Often, there are no symptoms, but left unattended, we become inundated with one health problem after another. It's time to fight back with Heal Right. Heal Right is a bar that you eat But it's food as medicine that addresses the nutritional root cause of health issues in just eight weeks. Developed by world-renowned scientists and backed by 15 years of research, HealRight is effective, but it's also delicious and works without additional diet or lifestyle changes. Step out of the statistics and use food as medicine. Visit HealRight.com slash Outloud or AmericaOutloud.shop and use the code OUTLOUD for 20% off. off. Welcome back to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. I do hope you're having a fantastic day. I am. I am. I know. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it after that last segment. I do get frustrated when I read some of these news articles, especially this part where mom and dad asks the school district to cease and desist stop calling our daughter by a boy's name and start ref- and stop referring to her as you know he him and the district and the district says i'm sorry we can't i mean we have to keep doing this it's you know it's our policy that does become frustrating you know you've got people hiding behind policies. They know they're doing the wrong thing. They know what they're doing is not right, yet they can hide behind their policy. Uh, And that's wrong. That's wrong, and it's frustrating. Um, The Meads, of course, you know, they end up contacting um, legal help, and then in December of 23, uh, they file this lawsuit. The lawsuit argues that their parental rights are protected by the First Amendment, including in fundamental questions of existence, such as sexual identity. The Fourteenth Amendment further guarantees parents' rights to make the decisions about how to raise their children. So there's a constitution here with written language that the, the district chooses to ignore, but they won't ignore their policy. The Medes believe that each of us is born with a fixed biological sex that is a gift from God, not an arbit- arbitrary imposition that is subject to change. This is this is in the lawsuit. This is their belief. I mean, this could be considered their deeply held religious belief that um that we have a fixed biological sex. And <laughs> That's not even a deeply held religious belief. Come on, that's common sense. That is, that's science, my friends. I mean, you know, it's, it's mere observation. They also believe referring to a child using pronouns that are inconsistent with the child's biological sex is harmful to the child because to do so communicates a message to and about the child that is untrue. Thank you. Yes, that's a message that's a lie. And according to the judge in California, education that lies to you has no pedagogical or educational value. Two plus two does not equal 22, my friends. And if you sent sent your child to a math class and that's what the math teacher taught, you would say that math teacher is a joke. This isn't education yet you, you 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 don't say not you, not not you folks because you do say this but people on the left don't say that when when you got the school counselor over here and every single teacher in the school building abiding by the district policy that says, you know Sally wants to become Mark. I mean we gotta we gotta call her Mark and then we gotta refer to her as he him but mm, can't tell Mom and dad about that. No no. Uh-uh, can't, can't do it. And this, my friends, this is the reason uh, why parents are leaving the public school. This is why Broward County finds itself having discussions on which buildings they're going to close down. Not, not this exact situation, obviously. This is in Michigan. But but this whole movement here, This this is the reason why. All right, last article of the day. This is out of Tennessee. Tennessee House passes bill that would largely ban LGBTQ flags in public school classrooms. Now it says largely ban LGBTQ. Um, I don't think the bill calls out LGBTQ, but you know, this is what the left is screaming about now. We can't hang our LGBTQ flag in the classroom. <laughs> oh, the Tennessee House passed a bill on Monday. So this is just a few days ago that would, that would uh, ban displaying LGBTQ flags in public school classrooms. Now, again, I don't think the LGBTQ language is in the bill. Uh, it bans political flags, which an LGBTQ flag is a political flag. It's a flag for the left. Uh, and a 70 to 24 vote in the Republican-controlled House Uh, The bill will now go to the Senate for a final vote. And I don't know if that's happened yet or not. Uh, This is just a couple days ago. So I don't know if the Senate's going to vote on that this week or uh, next week. The measure would allow certain flags to be displayed with exceptions for some scenarios. Approved flags include the U.S. flag, the Tennessee flag, Flags considered protected historical items under state law, as well as flags of Native American tribes, uh, local governments, armed forces, and prisoners of war or those missing in action, uh, other countries and their local governments, colleges or universities, or the school flag uh, itself. Other flags could be temporarily displayed as part of a bona fide course curriculum. And certain groups allowed to use school buildings may also show their flags while using the grounds under the bill, all right? So it doesn't actually call out LGBTQ, uh, you know, but it, it does, it doesn't want, you know, political flags. But the legislation would enforce the ban by relying on lawsuits by parents or guardians of students to attend public school in the district in whatever district in question. The lawsuits could challenge the the display of flags by a school, school employee, or its agents that would not fall under the proposed criteria for which flags would be allowed in classrooms. But the left is just, they're all up in arms about this. Uh, those, Those evil Republicans in Tennessee, they just don't want the gay flags anywhere. Republican Representative Gino Bolso who is the bill's sponsor, said parents reached out to him with complaints about political flags in the classroom. Uh, a Democrat representative, Jason Powell, here's what he had to say. Now, now notice, you got the Republican representative saying, look, people are calling me and they're upset about political flags in the classroom. And then the Democrat representative says, I'm proud when I walk into the public schools of my city. I'm proud to see the LGBTQ flag in the classroom proudly put up by teachers who understand the suffering that many of their students go through. Uh I wonder um I wonder if Democrat representative Jason Powell would say the same thing about I don't know a teacher putting up a Christian flag in his or her classroom you know because he he wants to acknowledge the suffering that many Christian students go through. Do you think that Democrat rep Jason Powell would be okay with that? No, 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 he would not. And then he says, we should be welcoming and celebrating our students, not hating on them. Just because you don't want a political flag in the classroom, Mr. Powell, doesn't mean you're hating on students. Uh, I mean, they can fly their flag anywhere, wherever they want. But it, if, if, if you're not, Mr. Powell, if you're not prepared to allow certain flags to fly, then you, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be able to pick and choose. This measure, however, uh, you know, makes it so, you know, there is legitimate flags flying. Uh, when asked whether the bill would allow the Confederate flag to be displayed, uh, Gino Bolso The bill's sponsor uh, said that the bill would not change the current law about when such a symbol could be shown. He said the bill's exceptions could be applied to Confederate flags for approved curriculum and certain historical items that already cannot be removed without extensive state approval. So, all right, Um, again, you know, we got this fight going on. And, uh, you know, a lot of times parents just... You know, we're, we're tired of the fight. You know, we're tired of wondering if our child's going to get a new name without us knowing about it. Uh, you know, we're tired of the of the fight over over the the political whatever, the political flags. You know, let's let let's let education be education. How about we get politics out of the classroom? And people might say, well, Dean, you want religion and morality in the classroom? You want politics? N- no. No, morality isn't political. M- m- morality is, it's in our nature. It's, uh, morality is, is internal. It's our conscience. Morality is is this thing that's inside of us that you know, that we understand right from wrong. It's not political. Uh, but the the things that are, the, the indoctrination that, that's happening in public schools, that, my friends, it becomes political. Parents want out. They want out. That's all I can say. They want out. And this, this article that we opened up with out of Broward County, is another example. It is just another example and another demonstration of the quiet exodus, my friends. The quiet exodus of public schools because, look, parents are looking for something rich. They're looking for something robust. Uh, And I'm telling you what, I love the term kingdom education. I, I had a great conversation with Don Mayer yesterday and yesterday's show. If you didn't get a chance to see that, or hear it go back into the into the podcast network and um find yesterday's show it was leap day um march or uh, february 29th it it was leap day it's a leap day show uh and we have a fantastic discussion on what kingdom education is and i feel like uh you know kingdom education combined with a classical education with a classical pedagogy is it's just stellar. I don't think you can beat it. It's my opinion. Uh, you know, when, when you invite God into the classroom, when, when when you invite morality back into the classroom and then you you teach a rich, classical, robust, oh, it's just, I'm telling you what, doesn't get any better than that. I would love it, it you know, if public schools went back to that. I don't see that happening. There is a fight taking place, though, on many fronts in the public school, and we support those fights. We do. We support them. You know, but we also support parents who want out, parents who just want to get their kids educated richly and do it now. I encourage you, find a classical Christian education, make it happen. All right, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I'm starting to lose it. And luckily, we're up against it. Thank you for joining me, America. That's all the time we have for today. Encourage your friends and family to get on the Dean's List. Let's unite to renovate the age.